But let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate family because you give us an incredible picture of what family is all about. And Father, we begin to look at anchors in our lives, those things that need to secure us for who we are. And Lord, as we finish up the anchor series and we move into the family hero series, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you allow us to look at our lives. And are we properly anchored? What are we anchored into? What do we need to adjust to readjust our anchors, Father? And Lord, I just ask that for the next 15 minutes, just give me the words to say. Father, we celebrate at second service as, as we'll be baptizing three more people. And Lord, you just keep doing and touching lives in incredible ways. So Father, we ask that you bless this time that we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we looked at, begin the opening looking at a, a newspaper article story about four football players, two NFL players, two college players that were friends, and they were out having a good time on a, on a boat, and the calm, the winds were calm, the weather was beautiful, and then a storm came up, and uh, <clears throat> they decided that they were going to pull up the anchor, they couldn't get it up, one of them decided, hey, let's three of us pull on the anchor, the other one will gun the boat, and we saw a tragic situation that happened, that, that when they, they gunned the boat, they... Uh, they capsized, and three of the football players died, and, and they concluded, the newspaper article concluded that the reason for the accident was they were improperly anchored. And so we begin to grab some spiritual truths out of there, out of Acts chapter 27, that Paul was on a boat, and they were going through a storm, and, and they were going to put down four anchors. So we pick up in Acts 27, verse 29, and it says, at this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. They threw out four anchors from the back of the ship, and then they began to pray for daylight. And so last week, we looked at the first two anchors, the first anchor being purpose, that every one of us have a purpose in our lives. We learned in Jeremiah chapter 1 that even before we were conceived in our mother's womb, that God had a purpose, a destiny in our life. Then the second anchor that we looked at was courage. That we need to be bold, we need to be brave about being Christians, and especially in today's culture. Then today I want to look at the final two acres, and they are worship and the church. Everybody say worship. Everybody say church. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to drop the anchor of worship. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. It says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So, so there's a, a, a final aspect or a fine-tuned aspect of truth, but then there's also a freedom that is in spirit. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that truth, I don't know about a lot of you, but that truth really speaks to my life because it's been one of the keys that have gotten me through the toughest times of my life. Because Christians are not to whine in the storm, but Christians are to worship in the storm. Christians are not to whine and we're not to worry. I was watching a secular TV show the other day, and I thought it was interesting. The guy, the guy says that worry and whining are just negative prayers. And I thought, wow, man, what to learn off off. Rookie Feds TV show, but yet what an incredible truth. But we are to worship him in the storm 
Because the problem is, many times, we worship God for what he's done. We worship God for what he's allowed us to go through when we got through it and we see the results are positive. But when you begin to really grab it, we are to worship him for who he is. We are to worship him through the storms of our life, not just after the storms. We're to worship him before the storms in our life, that we get before him and have that. See, praise, I've always said, is an experience, that you get there, you feel those goosebumps, you feel that moment, but worship, when you hit that worship, it's relationship. You know, a lot of Christian concerts are great, but it's an experience. But when you hit that level of worship, then all of a sudden you understand the intimacy of that relationship that you have. I loved what I read this. It says, worship is God's address. When you begin to worship him, he shows up. When you feel that all hope is lost, and when you throw up your hands, and when you open up your mouth with a broken heart, and you begin to worship God, surrendering, God, I just worship you, I just magnify you, I adore you, then suddenly answers begin to come. Victory begins to come. Breakthroughs begin to come. Peace begin to come. Worship keeps you grounded wherever God has called you to stay. See, that's why worship is an anchor. So many times, if we are, are not anchored properly, when the storms of life come, they push us away from the very place that we're supposed to be in our life. So the question is, how do, you, how do I get started? The first thing I'm going to tell you very practically is take the 30-day K-Love Challenge. For 30 days, have your radio, or maybe... 90, if you have satellite, the message. And for 30 days, don't listen to anything but Christian music. Nothing, and you begin to see something that's different. You'll begin to think different. You'll begin to feel different. Or another just practical solution I just challenge you to do for 30 days. Before you leave your house, say Alexis or Google or whatever you got, say play worship music. Even though you're not there, allow it to saturate the atmosphere. Because there will be something tangible when all of a sudden when you walk in your house, there will be this amazing peace, this amazing presence and power of Christ that, that will be there. You'll feel and you'll sense something different. You'll be, begin to do that. But that's putting down the anchor of worship. Everybody say worship. Then the fourth and final anchor is the anchor of the church. The anchor of the church. And when I think about my childhood, I didn't have the anchor of the church in my life. That wasn't something that was there. And I really never really had the anchor of the church in my life till Trisha and I got married. And even when we got married and really didn't go to church and stuff like that, she still ensured we put that anchor there. And, and even though I didn't have that anchor in my life, in I knew that even in my 20s, there was something missing. And I think if we would have had the anchor of church in my life, I think about what could I have avoided? What trouble would I have not allowed in my life and caused in other people's lives if I really had that anchor of the church? Not the anchor of religion, because if you study up to Acts before, Paul had the anchor of religion. But in Acts chapter 9, he experienced a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and suddenly 
the anchor of the church became in his life. He had that anchor of Christ. See, my parents, my mom and dad, didn't drop the anchor of the church in our home. And Trisha and I, early in our marriage, and especially her, we dropped that anchor and we started having kids and we planted ourselves and we planted our children in the house of God. And Trish did it first. For five years, she prayed for me and believed. And, and then I had to drop that anchor. Psalm 122, it says, I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me. That's personal. Let us go to the house of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, it transitions from I to us. And now we are here, standing inside your gates. Let me tell you, you've got to plant yourself first. Even if your spouse doesn't go, you plant yourself. And then you have to allow your spouse to, to come. But if you'll plant yourself in the house of the Lord, and you'll be glad and you'll be excited, then we and us, eventually they'll come. Everybody say church. By anchoring in our family and church faithfully. Listen to me. My children could only drift so far. The power of the covenant that Trish and I made with God, I believe, held our children back from many tragic and terrible things, as well as us. And it continues to hold us through the storms of life. Didn't say we won't go through storms. No, they were shipwrecked. But when you get problems, when you get problems, don't run from the body of Christ. And let me be honest, and let's be correct. We're not perfect, amen? Look at the person next to you. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we are people who love God, and we are people who love others, and we are people who love you. And we are here to go through the storms of life with you. That's what small groups are. Man, we're not meant to do life alone. As a single parent, you're not meant to do life alone. As a widow, you're not meant to do life alone. Man, we're here to do amazing things and support each other. And if you're newly married or you're starting a family, drop an anchor in a local church and start doing life together in incredible ways. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And let me tell you, one of the things that we got coming up is the couples, couples with Casey Wolf, and we're believing that they're going to have the, the Super Bowl trophy. Come on, say amen. Everybody dress out in red next week, except for one family. They'll dress out in green, but that's okay. They're okay. We love them. Nobody's perfect. But anyway. But get planted. And let me tell you, even if your spouse can't be here, even if that person that you're, you're thinking, man, so this could go somewhere, sign up for the couple's retreat and come anyway. Last year we had a lady that did that in faith, and this year her husband is with her. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, God is doing it. But I want you to understand, there's a powerful anchor that so many people don't realize. No church is perfect. No leadership is perfect. 
But it's our individual responsibility that when we start seeing somebody drift away and start missing church, it's not just my job. It's our job to reach out to them and pull them back in. Come on, say amen. To let them know, hey, come on, let's get planted. Let's find that. Find a place where the word of God is preached. Find a place where you can get planted. Find a place where you can get connected with other believers and start serving and giving. And that's what our small group says. It's a place to connect. It's a place to grow. It's a place to protect. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Man, how we do that? We do that through small groups. Because there's power being anchored in the body of Christ. There's power being anchored in the body of Christ. Now, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8. Now, I don't want you to miss this because I've read the Bible a lot, probably read the scripture a lot, and stuff like that. But listen to what it says here. But I will not destroy them all, says the Lord. For just as good grapes are found among the cluster of bad ones. So it's interesting. I've got a small cluster of grapes. Not every grape is perfect. But there are good grapes found in a cluster of bad ones. And this is what it says. And someone will say, don't throw them all away. Some of those grapes are good. Some of those grapes are good. For I will not destroy all of Israel, for I have true servants there. Another says, don't destroy the blessing that's in it. And what I want you to get this Because I've almost missed this. But the scripture said, the sweetness of Christianity is not found in the container, but it's found in the cluster. See, church is like a container on Sundays. And and I believe church is vertical, okay? I mean, when we come here, it's not just about us hanging out and doing life together, but we do that. But our main focus on Sundays, man, it's vertical. It's, it's Father God, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Ghost. And that's great. But Sunday's a container. But the sweetness of this Christianity is in the cluster of grapes. And small groups is our cluster. It's small groups where you start building real and genuine and authentic and life-giving relationships. Let me try to give you an example that just happened last night and this morning about the sweetness. Everybody say sweetness. Last night, I usually don't remember my dreams, but last night I had a dream. And I didn't get a chance to tell my wife because, I mean, I left early. And, and, I, and I saw Ernie this morning, and, uh, and, I, and Ernie lost his, his puppy dog, a little while ago, and I mean, come on, that's, that's like a bummer, Trails. But, um, and so he's just been trying to figure it out. And I said, Ernie, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, and maybe it's the barbecue I ate last night. But I said, Ernie, I had a dream about you last night. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, it wasn't that kind of dream. But I said, I had a dream. And I said, and I said, and I said, the dream, I said, so vivid. I said, I had a dream, and we were in your pickup, and I said, there was like these two bulldog take dogs. They weren't bulldogs, but they were like bulldogs, but they were smaller. And one was black and one was white. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy, and I know I'm crazy. I'm thinking, why am I? I thank God we're friends, so I could share that, so he'll still love me afterwards. And, and he said, Vic, you won't believe this. He said, last night. He said, I was at my cousin's house. 
and they just had a litter of cross-mixed bulldog dogs. And I was trying to choose between the black and the white one, which one I was to choose. I was like freaking out. Not real spiritual, but, but and he said, man, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, I am too. But what I'm saying, that's the sweetness of the cluster that God noticed him. And I was obedient enough to share something bizarre. The cluster represents unity and represents togetherness. And see, the enemy wants to pluck you off the vine. He wants to pluck you from your relationship, disconnect you, first of all, most of all, from God. And secondly, he wants to disconnect you from relationship with other believers who are on the vine. And what happens then is you just become a spiritual raisin all dried up. And I believe the main way that he plucks us from the vine in today's current culture is busyness. Is busyness. But if you stay in the cluster, that's where the sweetness will come. And that's where you begin to build real and genuine and authentic and key life-giving friendships. So when you go through a storm, Stay in church, the container. And when you go through the storm, stay in your small groups. Get around Christians. Pray together. Encourage one another. Whatever it is to bring life to one another. So you don't shrivel up, but you stay connected to the strength that God has for you. Don't allow yourself to get plucked. Because if you stay in the cluster, joy will come. Peace will come. And all those things that you desire. Psalm 133 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony or unity. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil. And I believe the anointing is the presence and the power of Jesus that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border. See, he starts covering the whole, the whole facet of the body, and it's very descriptive. And the border of his robe, harmony is refreshing as the dew of Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Everybody say church. In other words, the blessing, the unity, the anointing, the presence and the power of God, you keep the anointing in your home, you keep the anointing in your family, you keep the anointing in your workplace, your team, your communities, your church, your school, your dream team, your small groups, all by staying connected to the vine, by doing what? By supporting one another, by, 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 by building one another up, by depending on one another, by praying for one another. That's why at the end of the, end of the service, we always have these people up here to pray for you. And I'm going to encourage you, have come up and have and pray the 12 God can statements over your life. Let the sweetness of the grapes through the cluster of your life begin to build that relationship. Be anchored in church on Sundays, but be clustered in small groups during the week. Everybody say anchored. So as I begin to close, victory comes little by little. When you are in the place that God calls you to be, and when it gets stormy, and when it gets windy, and when the days start going sideways, 
Know that God has victory and success for you in that situation. It's not up for debate. God can. It's not, it's going to happen because God can. God is going to do this. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. Do not be afraid of those nations, for the Lord your God is among you. And he is great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. Underline that, little by little. You will not clear them all away at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. God can give you victory, amen? Victory was the promise here for the nation of Israel. And it's the same promise for you today. God will get you through the storm. You might be shipwrecked. But sometimes it's through the shipwreck that you'll begin to undercover the God cans for your life. See, it's interesting because after they were shipwrecked, they were sitting around a fire and they built a fire. And as Paul was putting wood on the fire and getting the fire started, the fire heated up. And all of a sudden, the snake came out and latched onto Paul. And it was a deadly viper. It should have been dead within, within minutes. And the Bible said that he just shook off the snake. Everybody thought he was going to die. But remember, he had purpose. He had to stand before Caesar. So when God starts moving in your life, moving in the church and moving in the small groups and moving in your business, the snakes are going to come out. And they're going to attack you. But God will get you through the storm and he'll get you through the shipwreck and he'll get you through the snake bites but it's a matter of timing. See, the Bible said, little by little, victory comes. It's not instant. God is very deliberate. Victory comes little by little. Why? So that we can trust in him. Psalm 84, 11. Let's go to 1 and 2 and then 11. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place. Talking about church. I long, verse 2, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. Talking about church. Why? Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. God will provide everything you need. That's why God can meet your needs. God's very nature is to bless you with victory and success in your life. God wants you to win. Everybody say, I am a winner. Man, God wants you to win. God wants to show you so much that you're powerfully favored. You're supernaturally gifted. You're abundantly blessed. But it requires balance. It requires balance. Verse 12 says, trust, trust. Oh, what heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. The progress of your promised land may not be at the rate or speed that you want. And uncovering the God cans in your life, especially in the midst of storm, can seem as if it's taking forever. And let's be real, it can be frustrating. Why is this taking so long? What is the problem? I know how you feel because I felt the same way. But I found out the issue is not the what. The issue is the who. The answer is Jesus. Am I anchored to Jesus? 
He slows us down. And I want you to understand he loves you for who you are and not what you do. We have a rule for our dream teamers called Worship One, Serve One. I'll teach that in Growth Track today. But we want your relationship with God to supersede what you do. Because it goes back to that opening verse in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. The hope that we have is anchored in Christ Jesus. That's going to be that center anchor. And then the four anchors of courage and purpose and worship and the church. But everything's centered around that center anchor. Our greatest blessing is not our gifting, our talent, our dreams coming true. Our greatest blessing is to know Jesus and for him to know us. Victory will come. Success will come. And if you follow Jesus, it's not going to be instantaneous success. There will be hardship. There will be delays. There will be trials, frustrations unselfishness, storms and deserts. But God wants us to learn to say, Father, walk through this with me. Walk through this with me. And in those difficult times, he'll pick us up and carry us. All if we're anchored. Everybody say anchored. If we're anchored correctly, teaches us to stay on our knees how to draw closer to him how to stay close to him how to grow properly in our dependence on him and keep him first and foremost in our lives and then little by little we'll get through to the other side in victory every head bowed every eye closed if God has you at a slower pace it's okay. Step by step. He's preparing you for what he's taking you towards. And when you get there, it will not be about that. But it will be about him. And I want to close giving you this prophetic word of wisdom. Stay right where you are. Stay anchored where God has you. Get anchored to the rock of Jesus Christ, our salvation. And as uncomfortable and stormy as it is, he's bringing you into freedom little by little. Little by little. But it starts with that hope of being anchored in Christ Jesus. Stains hope in being anchored. Listen to this, and then I'm going to ask you to accept Christ into your heart. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Jesus has already gone there. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, or maybe you need to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. In a minute, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you just make it your own prayer. You just pray something like, Dear Jesus, 
man, I don't have much left in my life. I've thrown everything overboard. My life is a shipwreck. I've crashed on the rocks. I feel like I'm on a desert island all by myself. But today I sense that you're with me. And Jesus, I know I've disappointed you in the past, but you still love me. And because of that, I know that in my heart. I may not feel it, but I know it in my heart. So Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I ask you to give me a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen.